Order to Three Games podcast for uh, early December 2017. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Xenoblade Chronicles X. Wow, this is Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not Darkest Dungeon. And this is Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Dominion's Five. I have an important question for you, Nick Diamond. Mm. <laughs> is Star Wars Battlefront Two safe to play without committing the sin of gambling these days? Uh... <laughs> I'm a, let's say I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an evangelical Christian. I don't believe in gambling. I don't want to get caught up in a Roy Moore type situation with my career as a oh. games writer. So oh. to avoid any gambling and, you know, later down the line, any sort of investigation into my gambling activity, can I safely play Star Wars Battlefront 2 right now uh, in, this, in the state that it's in? Uh, it depends. Does your definition of gambling include real money or is it all virtual? I thought I could pay real money for loot crates in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Nope. They actually yanked still? that pretty quick, didn't they? Yeah, like that they was, had yeah, that turned like, off. Uh, that was real early, yeah. <laughs> There's People nothing like have. getting a, yeah. a, a state attorney general out uh, in front of a camera saying it's a casino for kids to get Disney <laughs> and EA to freak out. Yeah, yeah Disney's uh, so, not having a good time with that, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Nick, uh, I know that recently it got a fairly big update for the progression pacing, I, I think. Have you looked at it since then? Yes, um, I, How? I don't know yeah. if I would call it a big update. Um, oh. What they did essentially is double the amount of in-game space bucks you get at the end of every round. So um, instead of 200, I'll get 400? Yeah, just about. It's <laughs> and, and supposedly they rejiggered the algorithm in the back end so that it more takes into account your performance versus just idling. Nick, that um, doesn't help me. It doesn't help me at all. I tend yeah. to be at the bottom. I can sometimes beat two or three other people, the 40 people on a server. So um, performance-based rewards aren't, aren't my bad. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm right there with you getting like 300 you know, points at the end of the match. So. <laughs> well, then what did they that, – that's pretty much all they changed is they're giving a little bit of a tip to the people who are really good, and they're kind of doubling the low amount of credits you earn. Yeah, and they, the, other, the other thing that they did is um, they uh, – so there was a cap on the amount of space bucks you could earn by playing the single-player arcade skirmish mode. Right. They don't want you doing that. They don't want you leveling right. up your character by not being online against other people. They don't want you right. playing their bots. And it used to be 500 credits. Um, you get 100 credits every time you play an arcade mode match. Um, so it used to be 500. It's now 1500, Oh, but it's still only 100 credits a match. So if oh. you like playing, you know, 15, 20 minute long games, I, I guess that's, uh, yeah, I, I guess you can do that. <laughs> now, are you, uh, soured on this like I am Nick, or are you okay with the current situation? Uh, you no, know, I am, I am not okay with the current situation. I, I really feel like I really feel like they they have such a great uh, foundation of a good multiplayer shooter, and then they just ruined it with this progression system. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to me that all the, the talk is about loot crates when 
loot crates per se are not an issue, and they've been a fixture of video gaming for forever. Uh, yeah. There are plenty of great games that have loot crates, uh, and for many, many years, we've had games that let you buy loot crates. I mean, I seem to recall way back in Dead Space 3, which I really liked, you could you can spend money buying crates of resources and whatnot. Uh, it, it really is the issue f- for me is, like you mentioned, Nick, just the slow rate of progression. It just feels really stingy. Uh, it, it feels like – Loot crates are fine, but they've got their business model all up in it. They're they're using it to offset not selling a season's pass, and it really just stinks of them wanting you to pay more money. Uh, and as soon as that becomes a, a significant part of my gameplay experience, I, I just turn off. That's just like I, I'm not interested. Uh, so, McMaster, have you have you looked at it? What, what's your situation with Battlefront Two? Oh God, no, no. Uh- <laughs> You know, and I'll just say this: I I didn't play it last time, or the first one, because I thought I looked at it. It was like a hundred and twenty dollars uh, to really get all of this game is a bit much for me. So they're like, "Oh, we're sorry, <laughs> we're sorry, fellas." Hey, finger guns, you know, and they come out and they did the BP thing where they apologize all the time. Uh, it's like, you know, it's EA is the BP of video games. So <laughs> British British Petroleum. Yeah. Is that, is that what you? <laughs> okay. So like they're because basically every every the year they have some sort of spill, you know. <laughs> and it's just you know it's always a disaster. So okay. I was just like you know I I don't I try not to go to VP. Uh, I, I I've been burned by EA way, way too many times. I I do like some of their stuff, but like that Star Wars. I mean Star Wars is a cursed license. I don't like you get what one out of ten Star Wars caves is worth a damn. I mean it's like insanity. <laughs> so, Wait so. Did- uh, did you not see the Star Wars Connect dancing game? Come on, man. I said one out of ten. Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh okay. All right, all right. Well, Nick, tell, it, Mc, oh tell McMaster God. what he's missing, though, because it's not its not an awful game. Like, it's still – there's a good game in there, right, Nick? That's the, that's the tragedy of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it. it's, it's absolutely – it's a great shooter. I mean, they've, they've taken – you know, really, DICE has taken everything that they've learned – from the past Battlefield games and the Battlefront games and kind of, you know, moved it forward into, uh, you know, the shooter arena with Battlefront 2. And then you've got, you know, Motive um, doing a single-player game, which, eh, it's okay. It's, yeah. I, I would say it's it's probably the best uh, single-player campaign out of the Battlefield games and the battlefield games which is I mean, a thing anything. yeah that's not a real high bar i mean let's be realistic here um but but then they actually have um space battles done by criterion oh i didn't was, realize that yeah okay. they did the space portion of it and it is terrific huh. it is so good we'll see I got a real good deal on an Origin subscription a while back for a year, so I'm wagering it's going to hit Origin with oh, that yeah. time. Yeah. So uh, I, I am interested in the Criterion uh, Space Battles. That sounds kind of awesome. Yeah, um, that I, also yeah. kind of explains to me, Nick, why they didn't do what Star Wars Battlefront did. Not 
not two. The numbering on these screws me up because there was a Star Wars Battlefront, and then a Star Wars Battlefront two, and then there was another Star Wars Battlefront, and another Star Wars Battlefront two. But if you oh, scooch yeah. back a few Star Wars Battlefronts, <laughs> you had the option to to get in a in a ship and fly around and fight in space, and then land on a spaceship, and then fight in the corridors of the spaceship, and then get in another ship, and then fly around and fight on the Death Star, and even in the last Battlefront. They had a, a Death Star scenario, which segued through space combat to land combat. They integrated it, and it had this great space opera feel, and now it's super segregated. Like if you want to fly around and do the space combat, that's a whole dedicated mode you join. And when you're done with that, then you can go play Battlefront 2 proper. Uh, but I guess if they had Criterion doing one type of gameplay and then DICE doing another type of gameplay, that explains why they're not very well integrated. Well, it's weird, too, because there's a there is actually uh, I think it's the next to the last level in the single player campaign. Yeah, right. You fly around a lot. You you fly around and then you land and fight and then you fly around some more and you land and fight. And it's it's exactly that gameplay. And, I'm you know, I played through the campaign first and I thought, oh, awesome. If that's how the map is later, this is going to be sweet. And then it's not. (laughs) Yeah, that, that was that's disappointing to lose. So, uh, all right. So, and is there any sign, Nick, that they're going to keep pushing and changing the model more, or is this pretty much where it's going to stabilize? Uh, do you think? Um. So uh, the a uh, uh, couple of EA guys were at uh, an investor meeting in Europe um, a few days ago, and they kind of let slip that. They're actually examining not reinstating real money uh, purchasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just in that examination phase. Now, what they would replace that with, I have no idea because I know for a fact EA is not going to just give up on making money. They're leaving a lot of money on the table. Like the money they were expecting to make from season's passes, they then obviously – channeled into the loot crate model and now that that's shut down yeah are they just going to eat the expected revenue i kind of doubt it yeah i can't imagine i yeah. there's no way <laughs> mcmaster how much would you pay for a pink darth vader skin zero i'm just so not interested uh like you know it's funny to me because it's like ea and Zenimax are so similar with how horrible they are when it comes <laughs> to like just being straight up horrible um but it's like EA keeps recognizing that, or Zenimax is like gleefully horrible. I'll never understand that. But um, but EA, EA is like, ah, oh, you know, everybody hates us like all the time for real. So um, maybe we should do something good. And then the money guys show up, you know, and then they're like, oh, okay, never mind. You know, it, it's just it's ridiculous. It's they should just eat it. You know, if they if they want people to ever like them, it's just eat it. You know, release a good game without something that you have to pay a hundred dollars uh, to extra to play. You know, that's all we're asking. Part of me wonders: Are they just kind of hanging fire until the Star Wars movie comes out, and hopefully they can sort of ride that wave to shift the narrative? Like that. That's going to be uh, what is that? One week out. Uh, will that save them? Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, they have I a big update. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, right, right. There's content from the movie that's yeah. coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game isn't uh, supposedly complete until then. Yeah, so McMaster, <laughs> you you don't have to worry about anything. Once they finish the game, it'll be awesome, and it'll oh, have yeah, these, yeah. these new walkers. Yeah, you can play. Uh, I don't know, Mark Hamill with a beard or whatever. 
You'll be all set. So EA is not only challenge everything. EA is now early access as well. So <laughs> right. The Star of Front 2 is early access because we haven't been able to play the full game until after. So so that's interesting. I do think one of the unfair dings against the first Battlefront was that it was multiplayer only. There was a lot of good single-player content in it. And one of my issues with Battlefront 2 is some of that content isn't there anymore. Namely, uh, being able to play the Walker Assault stuff with bots, uh, the Horde mode, which I really yeah. loved in the first Battlefront. There's no sign of it, and nobody is bringing that up because everybody's in a in a tizzy about the loot crate stuff, which I'm fair sure. enough. Uh, but I miss some of the stuff from that first Battlefront. I miss uh, killing you in the first Battlefront. I don't recall that <laughs> happening. <laughs> No, was that it? Yeah, maybe at first because I'd never played the game, and then after I figured out what you were doing, I just murdered you. But that's okay. Well, then it's time to move on. At that point, yeah. Once oh, you figured out, McMaster, I'm no figured out. I'm no longer interested. Uh, McMaster, you were calling out Zenimax before, but they have just given you a uh, VR version of Doom. What's yeah, that like? Eh, it's okay. Uh, you know what? How can it, how can a VR Doom be just okay? Doesn't it melt your face? Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's okay. I, I, but I don't think the controls are that great. And I, uh, at current, um, <clears throat> of course, I have an Oculus, so Zenimax hates me. Um, but oh, are they, uh, they're, they're, they're Vive preferential. Like, they, right. they prefer oh, the Steam oh, yes. Vive. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because that's what problem, I've got, so there. Yeah, 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 but the problem is, is that Steam VR is like platform agnostic, so anything you put on it will work with both. Right. Um, so you know, eat it, Zenimax. And now, uh, uh, real quick, is this Doom a separate product, or it's a patch for the for, for Doom? No, it's a separate product. It's thirty dollars. Um, All oof. right, yeah, that Zenimax. That's exactly. Oh, what I'd oh, dude, yeah, I expect to buy Fallout at least twelve more times. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, and then Skyrim. Oh, lordy. Uh, but anyway. Uh, now, is this is this VR Doom the exact same content just with VR, or is there any additional content or changes? It's different. Um, you're oh. playing a, a different story. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a little weird. Uh, well, you certainly can't do that whole uh, move-fight rhythm that they had with Doom on the PC, right? Like, what do they do about that? That wouldn't work with VR and VR controls, would it? Um, I mean, it's like, okay, so I'll just explain how the game works. Uh, <laughs> You start off in an elevator going to a meeting, and then a big demon kills you. What? Yeah, right. I know. And then you wake up in a computer, and um, you're part of, like, I guess they've made a clone thing of you. And you can go into these different kind of bodies, or this body, uh, this suit. And uh, I, I don't remember any of this from the last dude. What? <laughs> yeah, it's not in there. Uh, but you can do stuff like you can uh, use the, the 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 pad or no the stick to uh, to kind of like shift around, or you can warp. You know, do the point and move. Right. Like, uh, and basically, you shoot enemies, and when you do, they can they'll start to flash, and then you teleport in them into them to telefrag them, and that's how you get health and uh, ammo back. Oh, it's, so it's, no wonder they're. Well, no wonder they're selling this as a separate product, and it is. I, I just thought it was like a VR patch for Doom. Mm-mm. Okay, no, and it's different. like 
And it's cool. And I really, I, I do think it's really neat. Uh, I just think the problem so far is that uh, it, it has just a few bugs in it. And, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm playing, you know, on the, the Rift. Uh, but people on the Vive have had problems with it, too. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's 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 rated kind of like mixed uh, reviews right now. Uh, uh, and there's but, no, the, the Fallout 4 VR patch, is that impending? Oh yeah, and I'm positive you're going to have to buy that uh, separate too. Uh, is that this year, or that's something that's farther that's down the road? That's this year, and it is okay. sixty dollars, of course. <laughs> and it comes out on the twelfth. Oh, but you know what the good news is? What's that? You're you're going to be able to like browse the Creator Club in VR to uh, buy the creator, mods. I don't, don't want a Creator Club. What a Creator Club? What? Right. I, oh my! Is this uh, so? Bethesda is, is selling mods again. Is that what just happened? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, it's just indie games for me from now on. Indie games and games on the Switch that aren't from Bethesda. That's my new diet. <laughs> and, and, you know, like I said, I think the Doom VFR is pretty cool, actually. I, it just needs some tune-up, um, I think, uh, from probably from Steam VR, uh, honestly. Um, and I think once it gets to a place, it'll be cool. It's just kind of not there uh, right now. Uh, right. Now, I have a question I should probably ask before we start talking about the Nintendo Switch, which is a more family-oriented conversation. But Doom VFR, uh, what what does the F stand for? Uh, fudge. <laughs> Virtual fudge reality. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> VFR. Uh, Nick, do you have a Nintendo Switch? Uh, we do not as of yet. Well – Technically, we do, but it's, you know, in a box. Oh, it's wrapped yeah. in a box. Right. right. I understand. So uh, come Christmas, Nick, you're going to be able to join conversations like the ones that McMaster and I are about to have. Ooh. What are you oh. looking forward to? Do you, do you have any games that are also under the tree for the Switch, Nick? Uh, Breath of the Wild, obviously. Oh, uh, whatever. Okay. Probably Splatoon 2. Okay. Uh, and I also want to check out the... Um, uh, whatever it is with the uh, the little hentai little girls or whatever. Uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I don't at know. Least, at, least you didn't, at least you didn't say Mario Odyssey or Mario Kart. Those would have been the quadfecta of just generic Nintendo titles that everybody's going to play. I would say um, uh, Rabbids is pretty great, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rabbids is I you know what Rabbids is fine if you're into puzzles. It's not an XCOM tactical type game. It's puzzles. That's yeah. I was super disappointed to discover that because I thought it was going to be, you know, it's XCOM and Princess Peach. Well, it's can kind of. It's not. You know. It's puzzles. It's all movement How, puzzles. Did you play the whole thing? Let's not get off of the point, McMaster. I knew it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's anyway. clearly in the first hour or so oh, there you go it's, yeah it's it takes clearly forever to set up yeah well i'm uh through like i'm, I'm eight missions in which oh sweet and lord it, and i clearly feel like it's, it's it's training me to just approach each level as a puzzle like okay you're gonna have to bounce yoshi off of princess peach's head and then luigi is gonna ricochet off of him to bump into a rabbit so that mario can shoot it when you've knocked it out of cover. 
that's exactly how my XCOM games uh, go. I don't know what you're <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, I, I blow up cover so I can shoot monsters with my other guys, and I coordinate. Nobody is in XCOM. In XCOM, nobody's bouncing off anyone else's head. I'm just saying. Well, actually, I did lose a lose a guy because a building, a, a an alien fell through two stories onto him and killed him. <laughs> and and did he bounce onto someone else to attack him? No, no. It was just regular gravity. It caused injury. That's what I didn't happened. see it though. Right. I mean, he could have bounced on somebody. And then Part you know. Of- Part of my issue with Rabbids is uh, I, because this Gaia is a tactical RPG. It's the same kind of yeah. thing, super detailed, super intricate, and at times super puzzly with stuff like, okay, you got to literally stack your dudes on top of each other. That yeah. nonsense is in Disgaea, but I think my tolerance for Disgaea, uh, it's much more serious. It's super numbers crunchy. It's a super deep, intricate, drawn out tactical tactical RPG. Super deep, drawn-out tactical RPG, whereas Mario vs. Rabbids is not that. It's trying to be way more palatable and approachable and friendly and forgivable and therefore kind of puzzly. So that uh, – I, I didn't get very far with it, but it's not my bag. Uh, I can see, McMaster, if you like colorful puzzles, sure, yeah. You know what else might be fun, McMaster? Uh, a pinwheel. If you blow oh. on it, it spins around. It makes pretty colors in the wind. You should try one of those. Oh Tom. Oh, uh, let's, dear Tom. Let's figure out whether or not Nick would like Xenoblade Chronicles 2. No. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> so do you, do you, so Nick are, is that now we did have a long podcast about um Divinity Original Sin uh and which that speaking of bouncing off of me that was too much for me. I it's, I didn't bail for a that. lot. It drove me away because I played on too hard a difficulty level and couldn't change it. So that that was my fault. Um, but I find myself playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 thinking, you know, would someone who is really into Divinity Original Sin, would they or would they not appreciate this? So, McMaster, knowing that Nick was into Original Sin 2, do you think that that should be something under his tree for his brand new Switch this Christmas? Xenoblade 2? I don't, I don't know. Uh... Because I like it um, enough, I guess. And where would you uh, put it in with – because you've also played things like Divinity Original Sin and uh, Tides of Numenera is also something. Like where would you put it in with those games? Like shouldn't people who play those games consider Xenoblade Chronicles 2? It's like – it's strange to me because <laughs> I, I want to like it uh more than i do but every time i start to it does something kind of goofy or takes way too long to do something to i don't i don't know there's something about it that it's just kind of i don't know uh like the the, the the aesthetic can be the aesthetic can be a real barrier yeah the characters you're talking about and and the writing and what passes for like a humorous cutscene. Uh, I don't know if you've gotten to the end of chapter three yet, but there's supposed to be a really deep, emotionally heartfelt moment that is like 30 minutes of cutscene. That you know, two minutes into it, I'm like, oh god, I'm done with this already. And then it's got 28 more minutes to go, and you're uh. supposed to have cared very deeply about a certain character, and none of that works for me. None of that. I'm just so over it. Uh, whereas. I really liked the writing and the characters in Original Sin. Uh, in Tides of Numenera, I, I, that's got some interesting vignettes, and I was interested in the characters. 
can I commit 100 hours to a game like this where this heartfelt moment is just wretched? It's, it's just so bogged down and turgid and uninteresting to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and can I then recommend a game like this to someone like Nick, who I know is going to feel the same way sitting through that 30-minute heartfelt bit at the end of Chapter 3? Let, and let me ask let, an important question. Yeah. Are the chicks hot? Oh, God. So uh, that is such a huge issue for me in all the games. <laughs> and, and I – listen, I know I sound like some sort of whatever, but I, that's that, – <laughs> I just feel weird about it when it's so like everybody is like a really buxom a seventeen year old girl or some weird dude. You know, it's like I, it just gets strange. I know there are attractive people in the world and I'm fine with anime, but Is it, is it one of those deals where every time my wife comes in, she's gonna roll her eyes <laughs> and I'm gonna sit there and go, Yeah, yes. but um but <laughs> Yeah, and like it's always like the the shot. There's so many like boob shots, <laughs> just like lingering. Like so many shots start there. We're not talking about like start somewhere else and slowly go across. Start there, and then slowly <laughs> fade up. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? And it, I understand. Sure, they're you know whatever attracted, but. In this story, isn't she like some sort of ancient sword or something? I I don't understand. I, I just don't understand any of it. It's, it is very much. It's a, it's a very JRPG cultural aesthetic. Uh, and Nick, you will be embarrassed if your wife walks in the room during nice. some of the cutscenes. Uh, however, I don't think it is. Um, it, it it's weird and it's a cultural aesthetic, but I think it's it's no more. It, it's not nearly as creepy as some of those like Sakura games. Like there's a whole line of Whoa. JRP. There's a whole line of JRPGs that know how things are sexualized and that play up on that, uh, and they're very aware of it. And that's that titillation is a key factor in what they're doing. That's not happening here to its credit. Uh, no. What, what no, is happening? Yeah. What is happening here though? It's to get, it's a game made. In a, in a culture that this is an acceptable way to draw your female characters, and it just feels weird. Uh, I, I wrote an article about tying it kind of into this this idea of waifu, where you have a, a, a precious JRPG character, and the game wants you to interact with her in such a way that it cultivates a relationship. Like it cultivates this idea that you have a relationship with her, and the game is shot through with this kind of stuff, where you're supposed to give. Your uh, they call them blades, but they're sidekicks. They're the characters in your party. You're supposed to give them gifts. You're supposed to do things like that are achievements for them in order to increase this big tree of affinities, which is like a skill tree. And rather than leveling them up by just fighting with them like you would in a normal RPG, you look at that skill tree and you're like, okay, she wants me to go talk to 20 nopons for this one skill. So the game wants you to, on behalf of this one character who you're supposed to care about, go around and just have 20 little dumb NPC conversations simply to satisfy that skill requirement. You know, you want to find out what gifts does she like? Does she want to eat food? Does she want board games? Does she like to read books? So you go to different shops, and you're supposed to equip these items to see which characters like them. Um, and in a way, it's, it's, a, it's a solid gameplay mechanic where you choose a party of characters and you cultivate that party of characters. But the aesthetic is very much that Japanese waifu 
waifu. I don't even know how to say that word, waifu, whatever. This what? Japanese idea that you're gonna you're gonna create an emotional attachment to a character, and this exists in other RPGs. Like you know, you care about um, who's guy that has the hamster named Boo. <laughs> Minsk. <laughs> Minsk, right. <laughs> You care about Minsk because you like him. You like the writing. There's a gameplay yeah. dynamic to him. You know what his character is, and you want him to be able to get better skills. Uh, this is doing that in an awkward Japanese JRPG shell. And the gameplay is there, but the aesthetic is slightly weird. And here's what I've done. Um, I'm, a, I'm a 50-year-old dude. I, I did not have the advantage that, Nick, you have of having uh, raised a family. Nick, you have all boys, right? A uh, boy and a girl. Okay, you do have a girl. Here is, I think, what kind of works as an older dude. I, I kind of am just substituting this weird idea of an attachment. Just, just think of them as as daughters rather than romantic attachments. And you know what? It it kind of works. Like if the game is making them all buxom and cute, whatever. Like I don't find that hot. That's just weird cartoon boobs. They do nothing for me. <laughs> But if you think of them as, okay, this is my family. I'm concerned about them, and there's weird boys in there too. If you just think of it as a family approach, you know, I'm going to care for them because I want to take care of them. I want them to flourish, not because I want to fuck them. That's dumb. That's weird, and that's, that's awkward. If you, just, if you just bypass that mindset and decide to not look at it that way, it kind of works for me. And this is only something that I've started uh, trying to, to deal with. Like if I think of – this this hot chick, she's like a fifth element. Like she's gonna save the world, and the the essence of humanity's salvation is in her. Whatever, and she's she's wearing a skin tight suit. But rather than thinking of her as someone that I want to date or sleep with or fall in love with, just think of her as someone I want to protect. And you know what? That kind of works. And the same with the other party members. Um, so if you if you can get past that weird creepiness, there's a really good game here. <clears throat> Uh, and there's a really good combat system here, but oh. there's really there's really bad writing all along the way. So. See, that's like kind of my issue. And the uh, earlier games were not this way. Is my issue. Like I. Oh yeah, yeah, deal, definitely McMaster. Yeah, this I is can, definitely. Oh. I can deal with stupid if it's like you know, but if it like degrades into kind of stupid, it kind of irritates me a little bit. Um, However, no, the game is cool, and I'll I'll tell you it honestly, kind of reminds me of the Tales series, which I am a fan of, like Tales of Vesperia and all that. That's it's like a a, a similar anime style uh, a JRPG um, with uh, with with this style combat. You know, it's all kind of like live, you know, moving around, positioning that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, and I and I do like Xenoblades too. I just am. Like I like the voice acting. That's what I don't get about it. It's like really good voice acting will actually go a pretty long way, but man, they say some stupid crap. So <laughs> it's kind of like you know, you're like, ah, oh, this is all right. These people are, you know, it's done this and that, and then it's like they say something dumb, and you're like, well, that probably whatever. It it, it, it is. It's uh, where it it's come. Like the the first one did have good writing, and it and it certainly had great characters. Uh, and then the second one had the robots, and there's just really nothing – like like there's a – it's a net negative. It doesn't have the good writing in the first one. It doesn't have the cool writing in the second ones, and there's nothing really to replace it. Instead, you've just got the great combat uh, and a big world to explore. Yeah, I was going to say it's very large, and it's really cool. Like like the actual world looks cool. Like the places you go are really neat. Um, like – you know, I'm not as far into it as Tom. I haven't had as much time with it. Um, 
yet. Uh, you, did you but, get to the end of chapter three? The the death of like, do you know what I'm talking about? No, no. Mean, okay, I don't want to spoil. I mean, it's not a spoiler because it's. I guess it's, I want to say it's not a spoiler because it's so dumb. It's, but it's. I guess if you do care about this story, I won't spoil it. But wait, the death of the. I, you know, what, let me just let me just say they introduce a guy and then that they introduce a character and then the character dies shortly thereafter. He's basically he or she. I don't want. Okay. This character is introduced and then dies shortly is thereafter. Land, is it a land mass? And and you're supposed to, in that short time, like you've literally played with this this character involved in the game in a very short period of time. And when this character is gone, you're supposed to like be really aggrieved and really upset. And it's like I just met this dude. Uh, <laughs> Why am I, I? You know, why are you going through all of this this funerary, like ritualistic grieving for someone that I don't care about because I just met him? And if you contrast this to the first game, the first game did a really really cool thing where you start out, it's just a, a dude and a chick in your party, and the chick gets killed, like early on, and that was a big deal because you thought she was going to be a playable character. And it did even something cooler with that in that she comes back at the end of the game. Uh, and like I loved how they played with that, and I loved how they, they killed a character and then made it matter in the first game. And if that's what they're attempting here, if this person, dude or chick, I don't want to specify, comes back later in the game, I could not care less. I didn't care when this dude or chick died. I'm not going to care if he comes back. Um, but McMaster, so you do know what I'm talking about. Like the old dude, the the one of the. Oh no, characters. I even forgot about that one. No, that one's even stupider. <laughs> you, yeah, you well, just met that one and he died. You, no, yeah, you said, yeah, you said stupid, and I was like, yeah, that one was real stupid because it's like you don't even have a chance to really feel that. Right. <laughs> it's it's yeah, like, yeah. I was like, that one might I might have felt bad about, <laughs> you know? but yeah, no, it's it's weird and. But it's like there is a lot of stuff there that's pretty cool. Um, well, I will say whatever my issues are with it, I do plan on seeing it through. So, yeah, uh, and it's it's not a light commitment. Um, no, there's a lot of cutscenes between no. here and that game. Uh, I did. Here's here's something where I really uh, so early on in the game, before I knew the cutscenes and the writing was all going to be stupid. Uh, I'm, I, I really have a hard time adjusting when I'm playing multiple games to the idea that the A and the B are inverted on uh, the Nintendo Switch oh, controllers. God. So I'm constantly <laughs> the worst. Yeah, I'm constantly backing up when I mean to confirm and vice versa on PC games and the Switch game. Like you can't it's it's really hard yeah. to get around that muscle memory. So early on I had a cutscene paused and when I came back to the Switch and unpaused it, I accidentally skipped it. And I was like, oh, okay, God. I don't, you know, and I didn't know at this point that everything was going to be stupid. So I wanted to back up. I just shut the game down and then restarted it so I could watch the cutscene again. And it started me at the very beginning of the game. It hadn't even saved yet. Uh. So super <laughs> annoying. Uh, but then uh, I think this was last night. So where I live, we've been having uh, issues with wildfires. And I, where oh, yeah, I live, my yeah. The, the power's been flickering on and off, and that's been an issue. So last night, I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles, and the power goes off. And I'm playing on my TV set, and I'm like, oh my god, I've lost my save. It's going to reset me. I haven't saved in forever. <laughs> nah. And then 
the TV turned back on, and I realized, oh, yeah, it's the Nintendo Switch. It's just yeah. sitting in its docking station, fully charged. It doesn't care if the power goes off. Uh, right. <laughs> so right. I, it, it just shuts down, or it just like goes into rest when the – Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, the game just paused right where I was, <laughs> yeah. fully powered. Uh, so I – Oh, yeah. This, so, uh, yeah, so I, I'm super happy with the Switch right oh. now. You know, it really uh, – it's funny how Nintendo kind of outdoes themselves every now and then, um, with the exception of how they do networking, which is outrageous. Uh, it's like – Oh, wait, but Master, you and I aren't even Switch buddies. Oh, yeah. No, I only have like two Switch friends. Well, what because, can I be one of your Switch friends? Well, you can be. It's just I have to figure out my 16 hexadecimal code to, <laughs> like, to send in smoke signals over to you. It's just like the most ridiculous crap with Nintendo every time. But uh, at least this time we don't have to exchange 16 hexadecimals. Right. Signals. Just you one just... of us has to do it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what else What else should uh, should Nick get for a Nintendo Switch? You know, there's a lot of cool stuff. I really want to play Golf Story. I have not played it. Uh, I've heard it's interesting. Um, there's, you know, you if if you like Binding of Isaac, of course, it's on there. Um, uh, uh, Stardew Valley's on there. Um, you know, there's all sorts of cool stuff. So, uh, you know, now, I noticed you didn't mention Mario Odyssey. I was about to say I actually like Mario Odyssey. Uh, I do. I don't think it's like lay down on the floor and weep uncontrollably like a lot of people <laughs> do for some reason. But like, I, it, I'll tell you, it's exactly like basically every other Mario in that when I play it, I I have a good time. But it's not when I'm not playing it. I'm not like. Man, I gotta get back to that Mario. You know, it's like I just I don't really care that much when I'm not playing it. But I had a good time when I was. So uh, you know, it's like Nintendo's really good at that moment-to-moment kind of gameplay. But eh, whatever. You know, Breath of the Wild is a uh, I think a, a better game uh, for the Switch. Uh, however, uh, I do think. Uh, that yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild is probably the best thing, and yeah, Xeno's good too. It's just, eh, yeah. Uh, Nick, what um, how how do you feel about the fact that uh, you can't play Call of Duty World War Two on the Switch? <laughs> Wait, there's no there's no like special Switch build with like twelve people playing. <laughs> that's that's too bad. <laughs> I did. Uh, there, there's a. Uh, Resident Evil series called there's Resident Evil Revelations and there's Resident Evil yeah. Revelations 2 and they're kind of a split off of the main Resident Evil and I really like them uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 actually they both just came out for the Switch uh, and unfortunately the loading times on them are just intolerable it, I, it's a terrible oh, yeah. port but I was very pleasantly surprised to have no issues finding people playing multiplayer but then I realized oh right it's the first week of its release uh, surely I'm going to be able to find multiplayer people like let, let's see if that sustains um splatoon though that that counts on a multiplayer base right right yes. right yeah right. it's a really popular game if uh, splatoon can be super popular on a switch why can't call of duty world war Two? yeah you know it cracks me up it's like <laughs> you know recently i realized origin had garden warfare i told you that garden warfare 2 and uh so I I loaded it up and I was like ah oh, they've got like a multiplayer mode and I was like I'll jump into that right and I let it sit there for like a minute and then it starts to load a game and I'm like well all right and then I'm the only person in the game. 
Well, that'll you, you're guaranteed to win. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Sweet. <laughs> Finally, uh, top uh, Nick, of the leaderboard. <laughs> yeah, see, McMaster. Uh, Nick, tell me what to do to get past the first level of Call of Duty World War II. I can't get off the beach. You can't get off the beach. Did no, you not no. have that issue as well? No. Are you serious? No, you just you just follow the stupid prompts every two seconds. But I have to hide behind those like dragon te- those those girder things so I don't get shot. Yeah. And then I get shot anyway. What? I really I literally tried over a dozen times the opening bit of I couldn't even get to a save point. Oh my gosh. The the secret to the whole campaign is everything is so rigidly checkpointed that if you just run past everything, it, you'll just get to the next checkpoint. I thought I was supposed to take cover and like, like go prone in the sand until the machine gun runs out of ammo, and then I run a couple more feet and go prone. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Well, I mean, yeah, for that part, the little the little beach part, it's pretty it's pretty hard coded and linear. You can't really just, do anything else there. I can't get past it. Would you come oh. over to my house and play that part for me? Oh, um, I'd love to. <laughs> you just push forward. Hit X. Yeah. Well, well, aren't, yeah. I, aren't I missing a bunch of great game after that? Uh, uh, you're you're missing a lot of uh, facial capture of uh, Josh Dumeil. Oh, that Josh Dumeil's dreamy. Yeah, he's hot. <laughs> Wait, if you can't get Timothy Oliphant, just get him. Right. See, now there's a game where I'm I'm so distracted by the hotness of that character that I have to do what you said. I have to kind of treat him as a family member, and then I can get through the campaign. <laughs> Josh Dumail is not – Josh Dumail really is. He's so bland to me. Really? That's your idea of a totally distractingly hot dude. All no. Right. He's – I, I – Oh, you were being facetious, Nick Diamond. You tricked me. I played <laughs> oh half God. of that campaign, and then I had to look up who the guy was, and I'm like, oh, Josh D- – oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. I see it. Right. Uh, they, so it, it, that's another thing, too, with Call of Duty World War II is there's a bit of a long cutscene at first where you meet the characters when you're on the troop transport. Uh, and I didn't – is there a lot more of that? Like is there a lot of these cutscenes where they have actors talking at you? Yeah, so much. So huh. much. There's a, there's a lot of it. It's it's basically uh, greatest hits of you know every World War II movie and game for the past 20 years. It's it's just that it's Nick. Let me ask you: Is there ever a point in the game where I have to get to the bazooka to shoot the tank? Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what about what about is there is there ever a point in the game where I have to take out the anti-aircraft guns? What? Uh, well, there. Okay, so there's two. There's you have to take out the anti-aircraft guns, and then there's another one where you capture the anti-aircraft gun and immediately go into a turret sequence. I get to use the anti-aircraft gun? Oh, of course, of course. Awesome. You know, I'm just going to go watch Band of Brothers and hold my PS4 controller. Because <laughs> <laughs> I bet the experience is a lot better. And then when I'm done with that, I'll go play something good. Now, McMaster, there are two other ways you can play Call of Duty World War II. <laughs> and one of them is zombie mode, and the other one is multiplayer. Uh, yeah, 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 I know, but good lord. Yeah, you're missing, you're missing out on more gambling. Uh, that's true. I do want to open loot boxes on Omaha Beach. That's a way. To, I want to press F to salute. Show my Just respect. like your granddaddy did. Oh my God. Uh, is the is the loot box stuff in World War Two calls in World War Call of Duty World War Two different from what they've been doing previously, Nick? Or it's just a continuation? 
Uh, as far as how it works in the progression system, it's the same. It's it, it really is not part of the progression system. It is just a, a reward kind of thing. Um, so that's good. Cosmetics, you mean? Cosmetics for now. Keeping yeah. in mind that okay. the previous couple of Call of Duties started the, with just cosmetics, and then they started putting guns in there uh-huh. after a couple months. So for now, it's all cosmetics um, and little, you know, little boosts and things. But it's it, nothing, you know, game balance upsetting. Right. Uh, the, but the only thing is mechanically they've changed it so that when you open the loot crate. It's actually a virtual item in the world, in the multiplayer hub, that yeah. drops out of the sky, and everyone watches it. Because then you want your own loot crate. You're like, hey, that guy's getting loot crates. I right. want some. Right. Oh, no. There's there's actually challenges that are like, watch five guys open a loot crate. <laughs> On a Have movie. ten guys applaud your loot crate opening. I mean, it's outrageous. Yeah, like, it's, uh... it's it's bad. It's It's icky. <laughs> It feels terrible, um, it, but the only you know the only thumb up thumbs up I can give it is well, at least it's all cosmetic for now, so I'm not. Right. It's not a big deal. You can ignore right. it. Huh. All right, McMaster, uh, will you come over and watch me open some loot crates tonight? I need uh, uh, obviously because <laughs> I imagine there's also an achievement for having for being watched while you open loot crates. Yeah, it's yeah. like I uh, like I'm dude. I'm just that's what I live for, man. So uh, I don't even know. Yeah, I'm already there. So, Nick, if you are like me, uh, and I'm going to speak for McMaster here, if you were like me and McMaster in that you're really bad at Star Wars Battlefront 2 and you would be on the bottom of the player lists, you're not doing multiplayer Call of Duty World War 2, are you? Uh, I, I am. I am. That's got to be painful. Like, don't you just get shot and die and get shot and die and get shot? I mean, I guess with the low, with the, the high uh, lethality of the shots, you can get – Call of Duty is one of those games where you can luck into kills every now and then. Right, you know? and, and and you have to remember with Call of Duty, at, at least, again, the past five or six iterations of Call of Duty, the multiplayer maps are so small that right. you, as soon as you spawn, you can point your gun in any direction, hit the trigger, and you're about 50-50 chance you're going to kill an enemy. See, like, what's so genius about the Call of Duty formula in that fact is that... Call of Duty has this giant player base, and so they have, over time, of course, gotten their ELO kind of statistics down and everything. So you get placed pretty well uh, with people near your talent range, and on top of that, the games aren't as big as the the other, you know, so you don't – I don't know. It's a whole different thing. It's like you don't, you don't feel like you run too far just to get murdered and then run far again. Right. You know? uh, right. Get you right. Even if you're terrible, even if you're at the bottom of the score table every single time, you're going to kill at least, you know, four or five people a match. Right. Yeah, just get a shotgun and get lucky, basically, yeah. a bunch. Because, you, yeah, you just spawn on top of somebody. Uh, all right. I want to ask you guys about some games and ask, see if you've heard of them. These Ooh. are kind of obscure. I've been playing them, and, uh, yeah, I think I approve of all of these. All right. And if you're if you're the uh, you'll win a point if you have heard of it. No lying. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, all right. Here we go. Battle Chef Brigade. I've heard of it. Yeah. Nope. All right. McMaster has one point. Nick, you're losing. Battle Chef Brigade is <clears throat> McMaster. What do you know what it is? 
Not really, but I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talk about it. It's the only reason I know it is okay, so it gets get, mentioned a lot. Guess what this is. I want you to describe um, based on just the title. I, tell tell uh, me what the game is. Fighting game based on chefs. Nick, what would you guess this game is? Describe the gameplay for Battle Chef Brigade. Uh, chess game, but with food. Nick is actually closer, Rick Raster. It's like no! a match, yeah, it's like a match three where you go out into yes. a little combat system and you kill little monsters and you pick up their bits and then you drop them in a walk and you stir them and you serve a dish to a judge to see how much she likes it and if you get more points than the other players you win the game but the 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 substance of the game when you're stirring the dish you're playing a match three you're you're like rotating blocks of gems to get them to match and then to put them together and different gems represent different flavors and so certain judges like yeah yeah exactly that kind of thing but with a little fighting rpg progression and it's got uh equipment it's just really weird and different uh and uh, it's on the nintendo switch as well as the pc Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like a, a bunch of my friends have recently gotten Switches, and a bunch of the people I work with on the magazine Unwinnable, they've gotten them. So, like, that's another thing. They've been talking about tons of little games for the Switch. So. Nick Diamond, have you heard of a game called Paco 2? No. McMaster, I mean, have you heard of Paco 2? No, not at all. Uh, a top-down driving game. It looks super simple, uh, but you are you have to escape the, the police and you're driving a getaway car, and you go and you pick up little dudes, and they get in your car, and they're like, okay, take me to this point. And then the cops chase you, uh, and you have to get the dudes and drop them off. But it's got a really cool push-your-luck mechanic where the more dudes you pick up, the more cops chase you, but the higher your score multiplier. And at a certain point, you're going to have to pack it in and drive off the map to cash in a bonus. Otherwise, if the cops blow you up, you lose. Did you stream that? Yeah, yeah, I streamed it. So the guy made a game called okay, Paco, yeah. which was just set in arenas, and you survived a certain amount of time in the arena, and it unlocked a new area, and you went to different arenas. This time he's added a, a, a heartier progression system with this push-your-luck mechanic, uh, and Paco 2 is really cool, but you both get zero points for not having heard of it. Uh, no, yeah, uh, it, it I didn't recognize it. I, I saw you stream it, but I didn't recognize the name, yeah. Yeah. It sounds close to what, Nick? Well, I was going to say it sounds pretty close to uh, chess with uh, food. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's 100% chess with food. Uh, all right. Pa- and if you're looking for this on Steam, PACO, all capital letters, P-A-K-O. Huh. Nick, or no, McMaster, have you heard of a game called Tower 57? No. Nick, have you heard of Tower 57? No. Nick, maybe if you stop playing these these big profile triple a titles like call of duty you might know these obscure indie games but they have loot <laughs> there there is loot in tower 57 <laughs> i will say tower oh. 57 what if bioshock was a top-down twin stick pixel retro graphics shooter with character progression it's tower 57 uh which i which i kind of like uh it's like the, diff- the the characters are different. You got like a sexy cop chick. You got a, a 1930s gangster dude, and his his special power is an old Packard drives up and does a drive by shooting on everyone. Uh, <laughs> awesome. And you in- you install cybernetic limbs. Um, but uh, Tower 57 also not on the Switch. I quite like. All right, I've got a couple more of these. Um, Hand of Fate 2. Oh. Nick, have you heard of this? Yes. All right, McMaster, I know you don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Of course I do. 
I watched your stream and talked to you about it extensively during it. I really like the changes they've made since the last Hand of Fate. Uh, very, very cool. These guys know oh, what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a, a sort of a deck builder card collection game, but with an action brawler combat mechanic that if you don't like, if that combat mechanic doesn't work for you, well, you're SOL. You can't be playing this game. You have to accept uh. both elements of it. It's not one of those where like you play it and you're like, yeah, I like this, but I really don't like the combat. If the combat doesn't work for you, get out. Go play something else. Um, uh. Here you go. Paperback. McMaster, have you heard of Paperback? No, it kind of does sound familiar, but no, I'll, I'll say yeah. no. Put you down for a no. Nick, have you heard of Paperback? Oh, um, I have not. <laughs> Paperback is – it's got great graphics. Um, it, it's going for this kind of pulp paperback look, uh, but it, it's a little indie game. You guys know word games like where it just throws a bunch of letters at you like Bookworm. throws a bunch of letters yeah. at you, and here, make a word. Imagine that, but the letters that it throws at you. In, in Scrabble, you draw a hand of tiles. You're trying to use whatever tiles you use for a word. You spin those, and then you draw back up to seven. Imagine that as a deck builder oh. where you're, 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 you've got a hand of cards. You make a word with some of the cards, and then based on the word you've made, you have points to buy more cards, and each card is a letter. Some of them are combinations of letters. And then once your deck is empty, you shuffle it and you draw a new hand. Uh, it is ingenious. Like, it's a great idea. I don't know why no one has thought of this before, where you're working with the same letters. You're adding in new letters. Vowels don't earn you many points, but you know that Q. You want that Q to come around when you've got a U. Some of your cards are wild, but they don't earn points. Uh, and then you're using these points also to buy scoring cards that give you victory points. It's very much oh. like a deck builder called Dominion, where right. you build up. You build up your economy, and at a certain point, you have to start spending that economy buying victory point cards that win the game for you, but they don't help your, your, your economy engine at all. They kind of get right. in the way. Paperback is very much like that, but with letters and uh, uh, a deck builder and Scrabble. Uh, wow. I love that. I love what they've done. Wow, that sounds great. Sarah would love that. Um, she's a huge Scrabble fan, and she loves Dominion. That's like her favorite. Um, yeah, yeah. So Paperback is it's exactly for her, and guess what? It has multiplayer. Oh wow, that sounds pretty great. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to get a look at that. I see, it's got yeah, it's got an app on here, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, card game, a board game as well. That's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a it's a hard copy board game, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a for real one as well as has an app on the app store. Okay. If I didn't oh. suck so much at building, like the thing I like about it, um, as as a computer game, is there, there's like no time limit. Yeah. I t I take forever with word games. Uh, it like I'm gonna sit there for 30 minutes with with you know C A T, looking at those three letters, thinking <laughs> what work can I make? A C T. Oh, I could do act or cat T C A T A C tack right like tactical. So I'm the worst. <laughs> I take so long and I need that time. So what I like about paperback as a as a as a video game is the the ai that i'm playing against doesn't get annoyed at me for taking forever so oh, that's good yeah you don't want an irritated ai yeah <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> all right nick you have two points mcmaster no nick you have two mcmaster you have three points so here we go have you guys heard of a game called and nick this is for you first injustice 2 ah <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> McMaster, I bet you don't know this one because you're not into oh, DC Comics. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm uh, I am familiar with Injustice too. Yeah. All right. Here's, little indie games. Yeah, little indie game. Here's what uh, what completely brought me back into Injustice too. So I had it on the, the PS4. It's really cool. It's got this loot chase RPG progression for the characters. I like that. Um, if you have those old fight sticks, I say old. If you've got fight sticks, those big honking hundred fifty dollar things for your Xbox yeah. 360. You're out of luck. They sit there and they gather dust, right? Correct. <laughs> Did you know, McMaster, that they work just fine on a PC? Oh, you know, I should. I have a, you know, I have a Hori stick, so I should do that. That's oh, what I mean. Yeah. I've got two of those things sitting oh. in my living room for the Xbox 360. If I use Steam Big Picture to pump Injustice 2 into my living room, which is what I'm doing, I can use those Xbox 360 fight sticks. $300 worth of fight stick there to play multiplayer Injustice 2 with my friends. Uh, I had no idea that it worked that way until I saw someone mention it on the forum. I was uh, I was just so disappointed with like the Street Fighter of this generation because I planned on buying a new Hori stick for it, like one of the $200 ones or whatever, the ridiculous ones. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so McMaster, since you're a comic book geek, I'm only giving you a half point for knowing Injustice 2. Oh my god. All right. And, and Nick, since you're a little too cool for comic books, I'm giving you one and a half points. What? Sweet. It's just, just how it works. So that means you guys are tied. Oh my god. So the tiebreaker have you guys heard of a game called Hmm, which one of these should I take from the list? Oh. Oh, Cat, oh Cat Quest. McMaster, do you know Cat Quest? I I think so, but I don't. Yeah, but no, I'm not going to claim that. Describe it to me, McMaster. I uh, I don't know what it is really. I mean, I imagine you're a cat on a quest. There you have it. But you have uh, heard of it. All right, McMaster. <laughs> <good point. laughs> Nate, do you know a game called Cat Quest? It's on the Switch. He does now. I, yeah. I have heard of Cat Quest. I have actually heard of it. Cat Quest is not great, uh, but it, it's a little uh, top-down, not even a Zelda thing. It's just a super – you know, if you like cat puns and you want to watch a cat cast fireballs, uh, <laughs> it's a cute way to pass some time. Uh, but of all the things I mentioned, I think it would be the bottom of the list, which is why I mentioned it last. So there you go. And it's on the Switch. So. Wait, but you just said cat throwing fireballs. Yeah, what's not? Yeah, but it's a it's a cute little bobble. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, he, shouldn't it be at the top of the list? Here's here's the thing, Nick. He does that like early on in the game. Like that's one of the first things you do. It never changes. Like you can basically throw different colors of fireballs that move in a different direction. But what you're doing in the first ten minutes of Cat Quest is what you're doing in you know ten hours later. Uh, well, so, I mean, bit of, 10 hours bit of, of Cat Quest might be a bit much. But and it's a cute cat, and you put different hats on him, and he wears different suits of armor, and uh, oh. when he takes Wait. damage, he makes a little round yeah. kind of noise. All right, let, let me bottom. frame this a little differently. Yeah, You just told me 10 hours of a cat wearing armor throwing fireballs. I don't you, see the problem. <laughs> All right, if you you let me know around hour three whether or not that's getting tedious. I mean, you've got to give the cat new power. I mean, I guess he does get new powers. You know what? Fine, play ten hours of Cat Quest instead of Xenoblade Chronicles. See if I care. Like two, uh, you just like hats. I mean, let's be realistic here. Your obsession with hats has gone too far. 
You guys heard of a game called A Hat in Time. That's the tiebreaker. Yes. Oh, my God. Why are you going, oh, my God, at A Hat in Time? A Hat in Time is the single most adorable thing in the world underneath Baby Otters. Baby Otters, number one. Number two, Hat in Time. What's your deal, McMaster? I don't know, man. That's pretty adorable. (laughs) All right. Actually, here's the one I do want you guys to know about. Have you heard of Nine Parchments? Yes. Nick, how do you know about that? Uh, I, I, I've actually read about it. So it's the guys that did has been heroes, which is why I know it. Cause has been heroes. I think it's great. Um, I have that. Yeah. So uh, have you tried it, Nick? Is it something you've looked at? Cause I don't, it, it's weird. I don't, know I, that I have not tried it yet. I, I've, I've, I've watched a little thing on it and I, I read about it. Uh, I, I'm curious. I want to try it. I haven't tried it yet. The problem with it is there's really no single player is there's no point. Do you guys know of a oh. game called, um, it's called Magicka. Paradox published yep. it. You've got these right. little—they're like Jawas, and they run around casting spells. <sighs> and the interesting thing is the interaction of the spells. And there's friendly fires. So you have to be careful not to kill your buddies, Jawa. Uh, Nine Parchments is Frozen Bite doing that kind of thing. And you can play a single player to level up the characters. But the interesting thing is getting the spells to interact with each other. And there's no provision to get a bot to play with you or anything, which is fine because that would be stupid. Uh, it's all about getting multiple people to play, getting their spells to work together, and, and yeah. not accidentally killing each other. Um, and it, this is also, by the way, it's on the Switch. It's on the PC. I presume it's on the PS4 and Xbox One as well. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but uh, I, I, I was playing it single player a little bit. And I was like, okay, I see this is cool, but you really need multiplayer. It's got uh, four-player local multiplayer which is great but i went ahead and jumped online thinking uh i'll give this a shot online and some random guy joined me and we got this weird and there's no way to talk to this is on the switch so there's no real interaction with the other players but we got this great non-verbal interaction going where you could see what spell we each had queued up so like when he would queue up his little hex thing to do a big area effect damage i would get out of the way of the monsters because i knew he was going to cast that uh when i would set up my like ice beam to freeze people i could see he would set up his electricity beam to shoot it into my ice beam to go along that ice beam and they would join together to freeze and shock someone to do damage uh and so there's this great interaction of different spells and there's crazy numbers of spells you can unlock uh and it's Frozen Bite. You know, if you like the unlockable stuff they've done with Has Been Heroes, which takes a while to experience, but there's it's it's really deep and rich and detailed. Uh, I have the feeling that down the road, Nine Parchments is going to get like that. Um, so Nine Parchments, there's the one that uh, Nick, you win because you've heard of it, and McMaster hadn't. Woohoo! So <laughs> so here's a fun one for you though. Uh, they just announced Bayonetta three for the Switch. No, you're lying. You're just doing that to to get me excited. Nope, that's serious. And you can uh, download one and two in February. McMaster, I, I I hesitate to say this because there might be children listening, but I just orgasmed. Ah, I'm <laughs> horrified. That's not true. I'm cutting that out. I can't believe I said <laughs> horrible. What is going on? This is just a wretched podcast. Who would talk like that? Wait a minute. Are you? <laughs> One and two for the Switch in February, and three is in the works. Yeah, yeah. That's not true. Where did you see this? 
I'm going to Google this. That can't be true. There's this weird, weird board called Quarter to Three, and there's a trailer that I just uh, posted. You're punking me. You are totally punking me. Uh Now, you know, it's that stupid Game Awards tonight. Yeah. They announced a bunch of stuff, and they just announced Bayonetta 3 half an hour ago. But February is like two months away, two and a half. How can someone – that's really cruel to announce that and then make someone wait two and a half months. Yeah, I know. But – Handheld Bayonetta one and two, you know, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, but two and a half months away. Wait, wait, what's two and a half months away? Bayonetta one and two. Oh, right, right. But Bayonetta three is probably like two years off, right? Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's certainly yeah. There's an announced trailer for it that is. And it's platinum nice. games, of course. Who else could do it? McMaster, you just made my night. Wow. You know what, McMaster, I'm giving you the win. Nick, sorry. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure Kamiya's coming back for it. So, Kamiya. Uh, yeah, yeah, the designer. The original. Oh, 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 you're saying a Japanese word? I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Well, of course. Yeah, Bayonetta is is very much like an auteur game. You can't have yeah. just any old person making a Bayonetta. Wow. All right, yeah. Nick. What news do you have to top that? That's a tough act to follow. Yeah, come on, Nick. <laughs> uh... No, uh, they announced a World War Z game as well, but I don't know anything about it, so it'll, I don't know. Who's they? I don't know. That's the thing. It's like uh, somebody on my stream told uh, told me that. And I was like, uh, Angel did, and I was like, uh, so who uh, uh, who's developing it? And he's like, uh, I, I don't know. I was like, well, okay, so I guess I'm not too psyched about it. <laughs> the the zombie game I'm waiting for. Do you, here you go. Here's another one. Do you guys have you heard of a game called They Are Billions? Yes. Oh, no, yeah. that's, that's a cool. Uh, that's a cool name, though. Like, it yeah. is a cool name, McMaster, isn't it? Uh, and and yeah. Nick, you've seen those screenshots, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. It looks, looks ex- very cool. It looks freaking insane. Yeah. So McMaster, it's an RTS kind of. Uh, maybe it has tower defense elements, but it's really a one of those things where. Uh, do you guys remember when Dead Rising first came out? Like we'd been yes. playing zombie games like Resident Evil, where oh, there's two or three zombies at a time, and that's because oh, that's all yeah. the computers can handle. And then Dead Rising came out, and there's a screen full of zombies, and it was yeah. amazing. And you were like, "Yeah, it's this is what it should fantastic. be." Fantastic, yeah, yeah, mind blowing. Yeah, and they are billions. Now it's not a first-person shooter; it's an RTS top-down kind of thing, but it is that exponentially. Like you look at the oh, screenshots wow. of that, and you're like, "Wait a minute, there's there's no way." But that is what they're doing—just crazy numbers of zombies. Piling up against the walls, you got to hold out as long as you can. Uh, I think it's available in early access here shortly, but it's one of those things too that won't be out for several months. Um, so, oh, uh, yeah, okay. So the the World War Z games, uh, uh, Saber. So inversion, oh. time shift, yeah, whatever. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, time shift was kind of cool, but yeah, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll play. They are billions instead. So that sounds freaking awesome. I mean, and anyway, who's got time for video games? There's too many board games. Is they, <laughs> is they are billions on the Switch? By the way, I doubt it. Uh, McMaster, I just here. I want to. I want to. And, and we'll actually talk more about this next week. But I want you guys to listen to this. Listen to this. Ready? You guys hear that? Uh huh. As me knocking on a big old Gloomhaven box that just arrived. Oh, yeah. You want me to go knock on mine? Here's no, the one that up. has uh, 19 stickers already placed on the board. 
Mine was no lie, delayed by wildfires for two days. Yeah, was, that totally sucks. I could not believe it. Oh, two days. That's okay. It just gave me more time to level up in Xenoblade Chronicles two I, and watch I, some of those some cutscenes. I just got my copy of Through the Ages in today, so I'm gonna try it out this weekend. The iPad game. No, no the the <laughs> the Vladishvadl special. Right. Um, my favorite thing about it is it comes with a uh, Czech games like catalog, and every game in it except for one is designed by Flash. <laughs> <laughs> guy gets around. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, there's like 14 games in that catalog. Yep, and only <laughs> one of them's Mage Knight, fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope everyone's having a, a great December. We'll be back uh, in a week, and uh, maybe we'll talk uh, about how much better I am at Gloomhaven than, than McMaster is at that point. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Nick Diamond and Jason McMaster. You can find all of us at quarter2three.com, uh, and we'll see you guys in a week. Cheers. Yes, I can see you, 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 see